Let's go! What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Bingetown TV. My name is Kyle, and I'm joined by Kathleen and Luke to discuss episode five of House of the Dragon, titled We Light the Way. So, House Hightower words right there. So, the last two episodes, I've started off this little short intro saying that it's taken me two watches to really fall in love with the episode. Obviously not the case for this episode. This episode was fantastic. Kathleen, I feel like we were texting up a storm Sunday night and yesterday all about it. So I'll just cede the floor at that point and let you guys say what you need. I'll start. Yeah, I fucking adore this episode. I texted it was texting Kyle because Luke wasn't answering. So I just went to straight texting Kyle. (laughs) This is my favorite episode. Put it on the board, like the intrigue, the drama, the dagger looks across the room by that end scene just clenched it for me. I mean, I liked the beginning stuff as well, but that end 15 minutes really just fucking did it for me. So we'll talk more when we get into it. Luke, how about you? In my defense, there was an important football going on, so I watched it a little <laughs> bit late. So I was kind of yeah. catching up, you know, after you guys. Um, but it was a great episode. Uh, I think it's the highest rated. Uh, I don't know like how accurate and settled the IMDb ratings are for episodes oh. yet, but this one yeah. seems to be the highest so far, and everyone seems to like it. I mean, when you get a wedding in Westeros, it's always going to be something freaking crazy. Um, yeah. It was a great episode. I don't really have anything to complain about. Just one character that I'm hoping that we agree on and doesn't become my hot take, but I don't want to spoil that yet. So ready to jump right into the episode. Bouncing off that wedding comment, Ryan Condo literally said like every Game of Thrones season needs a wedding that doesn't mm-hmm. exactly go the way it's supposed to. So, oh yeah, yeah, that's pretty much exactly what they were going for. All right. So um, just diving in cold open. It's not a cold open, but we open up with finally meeting Ray Royce, the bronze bitch, Damon's lady wife, and she's a badass. Obviously, we want to get Damon's side of the story, and we know from Damon at this point that it's probably not the entire truth. We learn that it's really n- not the truth, and that she is definitely cute, and she seems pretty cool. So obviously, Damon is up to to something with the with this marriage. Yeah, wood. Yeah, wood, mm-hmm. wood oh, for totally. me. So sad. She could have had like a whole ass spinoff. She's so dope. I like how they hype her up later in the episode. But I think a a huge point here is that they may get a point to say they did not consummate the marriage. And I I really think that's going to come back later when Damon's like, well, guess what? I'm taking runestone, bitch. (laughs) I think they're going to fight that. So at least they have that, that they did not consummate the marriage. And it was well known that they did not consummate the marriage. So let's let's move because I really don't want him to have runestone. I'm so mad that she died because she was awesome. She was charismatic right when she got on the screen. She's one of the only people that's not a Targaryen that stood up to Daemon. And that was just awesome to see. It shocked me that they killed her in the way that they did. Uh, I do have some questions about that, though. Like, did she get paralyzed when she fell? Yeah, essentially, she basically broke her her spine. And that's why Daemon steps on her arm to see if she reacts to it. She has no reaction. So he's like, okay, she's paralyzed. Yeah. Okay. Um, And then the other thing I want to say, though, is about the non-consummation of the marriage. She even has a dig later saying, "Uh, I knew you couldn't finish. Like, is this what we're going for? Like, is this what we've been going for since episode one is that he quite literally just can't finish? Because I think that's kind of connecting this the Rhaenyra scene in um, in King's Landing and then like what this random comment about not consummate the marriage. So maybe he just quite literally like can't stay hard. Yeah, it seems to be what it is. And especially with the behind the scenes of episode, I'm so bad at remembering the episodes. 
Um, it was the last one, right? I think the, was... one, the one with Rhaenyra and Damon three in the three. in the brothel, and they had said basically that when Rhaenyra got like excited and aggressive, he wasn't about it because he wasn't like you know dominating her. Royce is obviously not getting dominated. I mean, I'm sure this woman was responding in a similar way, and he didn't like that. So I think it's the, both of those things. I have no idea what the conclusion of that is going to be, but it's definitely a thing they're pushing. Yeah. Damon and is veil, so menacing was... in the scene. He, he doesn't say a word. He's yeah. like, this is happening mm-hmm. with his eyes. And she's like, she realizes it as it's happening. She's like, oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that light goes on pretty quickly for her because she's taunting him and she's like, oh, like, you know, the queen or the little princess. And she was like, oh, shit. Maybe <laughs> maybe you're going to want to kill me to be single to then marry the princess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. she catches on fairly quickly there. It's really nice to be back in the Vale setting, though. You could just like with the yeah. valleys like that just looked good. Yeah, they didn't need to show that scene of her like riding the horse like through mm-hmm. all of the nice countryside scenery, but it was appreciated. When that scene happens, I literally go, I've been there in Iceland. And my dad was like, <laughs> yeah. And I was like, no, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. We move from the Vale to Driftmark. So we're going to cover everything that happens on Driftmark with King Viserys and then the boat ride home, the love boat ride home. And then we'll dive into the the Allison and Otto and the Allison and Lara Strong scene. So to begin with the whole Driftmark stuff, Viserys is struggling, man. He is I seasick it seems like, but also just sick in general. So that he just is, this is a terrible look for him as king. Viserys is one big infection. He came and helped yeah. it to head to toe infection. It's really gross. He's grossing me out. <laughs> yeah. So basically our man, our boy limps up the steps to Driftmark coughing the whole way and is greeted by nobody. Lionel Strong, the hand of the king, takes offense to that for Viserys, to a grown up, a very grown up lady, Lena Valerian. So she's no longer that 13 or 12 year old girl that Viserys was walking through the gardens with. Um, yeah. But we move into the, I guess, kind of. She calls it the Hall of the Nine, I believe, where Corliss, looking like a fucking badass, is sitting on the uh, the driftwood chair. Yeah, they really aged Lena up more than they should, I think. But she's beautiful now. Viserys is probably like, damn. Yeah, right. <laughs> Could have been mine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I was thinking uh, anyway. <laughs> give me. I'm sorry, I forget the name of Corliss's wife, um, Renice. Renice. Yeah. Renice. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So this is right when he walks in. They kind of talk about Rhea. Rhea. Or Rhea. Royce Raya. dying. Royce, yeah. Uh, Rhea, Rhea. Yeah, okay. I don't know. So, yeah. But it's just so obvious. They're like, they even know that foul play was like most likely involved because they hint at how good she was at hunting. She's not going to die on a hunting accident. So everybody knows Damon's just a shyster. So I guess it's just, it's like, this is also Viserys learning for the first time. And you kind of get his reaction. He doesn't know how to react in front of people so he just kind of bottles it up and says let's talk about other stuff but that was interesting to see because he never says anything about it even later at the wedding when damon just makes the unexpected appearance so i'm very curious to see what he does eventually say i'm assuming next episode we'll get a conversation between the two because he's still in king's landing yeah i also love how there was a ton of wordless lionel strong reaction shots starting with this scene where he's just kind of there like hmm Okay, noted. Like, that's just some <laughs> bullshit I'm going to have to deal with later on. <laughs> but let's just shelve that while I enjoy this cup of wine. Then they kind of get to the task at hand, which Viserys obviously wants to move the conversation along. Viserys presents the marriage proposal to Corliss. Corliss, the ever-proud Valerian head of household, is like, so what are their last names going to be, boss? Mm-hmm. And I think, Kathleen, you might have had the same question 
last episode about whether they would be Targaryens or Valerians. Right. Because yeah, she's the queen and he'll be the king. And Viserys settles because Viserys tends to settle in every decision that he makes that yeah. they'll be born Valerians, but once one of them ascends the throne, they'll then be Targaryens. Corlys has balls. Like he has such balls. He's such a businessman. He asks for what's he, what he wants to the highest highest guy in the whole entire world. He's like, I don't care. I'm not greeting you. I'm going to sit on my throne. Yeah. <laughs> until you walk mm-hmm. in, then I'll stand up. I will also offer you a chair 15 times because you are feeble. Yeah. <laughs> He's mm-hmm. making his strength known in like a spot where he really should be kneeling to this king. And he's really just not. I mean, he does kneel to him, but. Yeah, I feel like Viserys kind of lets him kneel for a little bit, too. That was maybe a little bit extra, a couple seconds, three to four longer than than maybe normal, because he was like, yeah, bitch, bow down. That's all Viserys has, though, because, again, he just looks so physically and just kind of like metaphorically weak as well. This was like best case scenario for Corliss, I think. There was no way there was ever a scenario where the heir was going to have Valerian as their last name. So this seems like an absolute freaking win for for Corliss. It's better than kind of where they've been at for the past four years. I feel like maybe, yeah, I don't know if if marrying his daughter and having like the actual kids on the throne, like a male heir is better, but I guess Rhaenyra is still the heir. So it works out that he gets the name compromise. But uh, very quickly, we can just talk about Rhaenyra and Laenor their little walk along the beach they essentially just come to the agreement like wink wink hint hint she's like i know you're gay i'm obviously straight well we can do our duty in the bedroom and then you can go ahead and do what you want and i'll just do what i want was that the reveal right there or was it implied earlier because i don't remember us talking about that that's the reveal i think that's like the official reveal yeah yeah a couple weeks ago maybe two weeks ago or so i was like googling something i just wanted to see the actors who was going to age up for Elena and Lenor, and I was spoiled of that. And I texted Kyle, and I was like, oh, fuck, Lenor's gay. And like, <laughs> yeah. Where did you possibly hear that from? And I was like, oh, shit, is it not true? Like, you played it off pretty good, because I was like, I tried. I was pumped. <laughs> yeah. So, well, yeah. did you already know that, Kyle? You already knew that yes. was coming? Yeah. Okay. And Kathleen, how did that get spoiled for you off of like a casting list? Did you know those like stupid websites that you want the one thing it could even be like, when is this show premiering? And it it's in the middle of, there's like ads everywhere. They yeah, make yeah. read 18 paragraphs. One of them was like, and the fans are really excited for a canonically gay character, Lenore. And I was mm. like, yeah, <laughs> gotcha. <"Not a> skirt. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. So before we actually get to, I guess the official, official, official reveal, uh, just, I would very quickly, I think we should just do the, the Corliss and, and Rainey's debrief little sesh they have. Where Rainus even says, like, yo, he looks terrible. Like, he's in bed right now. He looks awful. And Corliss actually here, we were just talking about how kind of strong he always looks. This is, like, the most, like, unsure and vulnerable we've ever seen of him. I just think it's kind of endearing that it's with his wife. A lot of times we see these relationships in Game of Thrones in this universe. And a lot of the times beyond maybe, like, Ned and, and Catelyn, it's kind of adversarial it's kind of robotic it's kind of very like power dynamic power structure but these two seem like you know they really love each other mm-hmm. and that they're kind of you know they're willing to have these type of emotional conversations which i just think is nice to see yeah i got two quick comments for this conversation i would totally want to be corliss's in corliss's family i feel like that would be awesome yeah, yeah this family seems like i love them and I, I feel like they're great and even going back quickly to leonore like he he's the man like that was the most dialogue we got outside of him chastising his uncle 
in episode three. So mm-hmm. I feel like I like him with Rhaenyra. They seem, he seems like a really, really good dude. And, and the whole family seems awesome. And then the other thing I wanted to bring up was that they said that they have half the dragons of Westerosian kingdom, I guess. So does that, does that mean there's only four right now? Because obviously the one left and is like flying around one of the coasts. There's only four under the Targaryen power, I guess. I would say right now, yeah. I mean, in terms of riders, because Viserys doesn't ride a dragon, so it's going to be Rhaenyra, Daemon, Rhaenys, and Laenor. Yeah, they're they're the four living dragon riders at this point. First of all, they've barely aged up Rhaenys at all. She is like so cool. When she comes in, she's like cousin, and like yeah. grabs his hand, and he's like, "There is no hand to grab." <laughs> it's like now, I have no hand. Do you think that was sincere or not? It seemed sincere. She was okay. like pumped, and I don't know whether it is, if it is or not. But um, I was listening to a um, interview with an actor with Corliss's actor, right? Such a charming guy. His name is escaping my brain. But, Steve Toussaint, I believe. Oh, Steve Toussaint, what a charming guy! Yeah, he's, he's the man. He talks about um, how him and Rainey's married for love. Like he's like they fully love each other, and you can totally tell. And I was like really geeking out watching this scene because, I mean, Rainey's is nervous for a reason, right? Like they're putting him Lenore in harm's way because putting her on the throne is putting everyone in harm's way. Anyone who is mm-hmm. on her side is going to be put in harm's way. So, and I mean, we see it at the wedding already. Like his lover's already fucking dead. So I loved the scene. I thought it was like good for the plot and for sweetness. So it was like mm-hmm. a double whammy for me. Yeah. And, I mean, Corliss is, he's more pissed than she is still about the great council. I don't know how like, actually true if she's putting on a face, if, if either or, but I mean, he is like, this is for justice, baby girl. Like they fucked you. <laughs> like, we're not going to let it happen again. There's no way. And she's like, I'm over it. He's like, no, you're not. So yeah, they're just, they're just great. I like them a lot. I guess the the last kind of moments of Lenor's happiness in this entire episode almost is we get to meet Joffrey officially. So Joffrey was actually in episode three. He has like a little line. It says Sir Joffrey in the the captions. And people were asking like, who is that? Who is that? All this stuff. So I think people were trying to keep it a little bit under wraps by not answering fully. But this we find out Sir Joffrey, I think Monmouth is his last name, aka the Knight of Kisses. Mm-hmm. And he says later, like, I don't know why they call me that. And we find out in this scene literally why they call him that, because the man loves a nice steamy kiss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this whole situation, this deal that Rhaenyra and uh, Leonor have for their marriage is the perfect situation. And yeah, it, it truly is like they're going to have each have their actual plus ones and then they're going to marry for duty. I think this is this, it should have worked out. Yeah, he's the anti Kristen Cole. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, I'll totally be your whore. Like, because he knows that like Lenor isn't going to like love Rhaenyra. You know what I mean? He knows it's like a duty political thing. That in reality, like all that really matters is that Lenor loves him and they'll have their time together Mm -hmm. uh, because he's, you know, somewhat of a rational guy. This could have been a happy ending. Oh, yeah. There's so much miscommunication from this point on in this episode that just grinds my gears so much. (laughs) But that's just that's the way it is, I guess, when you're in love. All right. So speaking of Kristen Cole and grinding gears and love and and stuff, uh, we now have the King's kind of group is leaving. King's Landing. I mean, they're moving towards King's Landing rather. And Kristen Cole approaches the Princess Rhaenyra on the ship home with a uh, an interesting proposition. I guess we'll say. I would just say it completely opened the floor of this whole scene and conversation. 
I would like to say that Kyle texted me and said, he's so handsome. It's kind of upsetting. <laughs> Dude, he is. It's so crazy. He's so, especially in this scene, he, yeah, he doesn't have fall. his armor on, right? He's kind nope. of like casual looking, the slick back hair, the eye, the puppy dog eyes. I'm like, yeah, that was good stuff. Okay. But are we capable of separating his handsomeness with how shitty he was this, this episode? Yes. Only because, maybe not only because, but a key part is that, I guess, very general rundown is that Kristen is now admitting his love for Rhaenyra and is saying like, yo, I know you've been complaining and this has been a theme throughout every episode and I've brought it up multiple times as well. She hates the fact that she doesn't have a say in her life and she just has to do everything for duty. And he's like, what if there's another way we could just go you know, across the narrow sea to Essos, you could choose to marry me for love. We can live a life of love and freedom that we chose. No inheritances, no duty, just the two of us. This is, again, we have, don't love the Aegon's dream thing, but she is about to literally say to him, like, I can't do this because I have this duty because Aegon the Conqueror united the Seven Kingdoms too, and he walks away in the middle of it. So first of mm -hmm. all, I was shocked that she was going to say that to him. And kind of, I mean, I guess she's young and maybe she is in love and, you know, she's not making a very rational decision, but that seems like a fucking hot decision to make in the moment. I agree with what Kyle was saying. How he's just the opposite of the night of kisses. Like the, he give me, give me Sir Joffrey every day of the week. Like his, yeah. he's so much more rational. How do you not take up Rhaenyra's proposal of being his mistress, basically like in the long run, like this is the best you can do. You already kind of dishonored. You threw honor out the door the second that you you broke um not banging anybody. So like that's that's off the table. Like and if you want to keep love, this is the only realistic way to do it. And the fact that he kind of almost lashes out after she says no, which was a ridiculous request in the first place. Yeah, I wasn't there for it. I was so anti Kristen Cole after the scene. It, I don't remember souring on a character as quick as this. So, Luke, I will say you're like, can you separate the handsome? I'm so mad at Chris and Cole in this episode. Okay, there's cool. no there's no world where I'm like, but he's so cute. Yeah, yeah, of course. Like, not. But I will say that the difference mm. between Sir Joffrey and Kristen is that Sir Joffrey knows that they can never be together. You, the two gay men cannot be openly together ever. So he's like, mm -hmm. if all I can be is your mistress, no matter where we are in this world, then I yeah. will absolutely be your whore. Like that's the ceiling. Out. Yeah, that's the ceiling that's for him. The ceiling. Whereas True. Kristen's like, if you really love me, we could just beat it. And she's like, I'm not going for infamy. Fuck you, man. Like I'm getting the throne. Yeah. So he's simping so hard. And I agree with both of you were maybe not as intensely as Luke until the end. I soured completely. Obviously, I, I felt for mm -hmm. him in this scene because obviously he did fall for Rhaenyra and that sucks. And but you know what else sucks? Being forced to marry someone you don't want to. It's not yeah. his fault. Yeah. And I mean, I think a lot of the, the negativity that's out there now against him is because he says like he kind of blabbers after she rejects him of like, basically almost admits that the whole motivation was that said he could kind of get his honor back. We had sex like that already happened. Like I already ruined my oath. So I figured that I could make things better by us getting married instead of his emotional reaction being like, I love you. It ends up being like, it's a selfish kind of thing to him where like he needs to kind of get rid of his own guilt and is using her in that way. That's not very handsome of him. 
I'm so happy you put the words to it because I was feeling that same way. I just didn't yeah. verbalize that. That's really good. Um, and then a point yeah. that's positive for you, Kyle, though, is this scene confirmed yeah. that he most <laughs> that he totally was consensual in oh, this yeah. episode. So there Come you go. On, dude. Was that we your hot take or something? About about? I, I know my handsome princes. I know what they're about. <laughs> <laughs> I can read I can read them like a book. Honestly, didn't have Christian Cole never really moved the needle, the needle, the needle a ton for me reading the book. He's an interesting character. He plays a good role and he will play a great role throughout this. But just this, he's a perfect character for me personally, where him being brought to life on the screen just makes him so much more interesting. I feel way more gravitated towards him in these first episodes than I feel like I ever did during the books. And for what it's worth, I loved him before this episode and Damn. now I actively hate him. So that's <laughs> just my spoiler to the end. <laughs> that's good TV though. That's good TV, yeah. I guess. It's just miscommunication, man. If he just had sat there and let her finish that, like he doesn't understand what is actually behind sitting on the throne, maybe he could come around to it. Like, okay, I didn't realize you had that much on your show, but I mean, whatever. Yeah. I guess it is what it is. I just like how she says, and this is the last comment I will make, is that she says to her, like, whatever, like you can leave the crown behind or whatever, and she says, "I am the crown, Kristen." I was like, <laughs> "Let's go." Yeah, that's a good line. I'm happy she didn't humor it at all. Not even for a second. Yeah. yeah when she kind of turns away and this, this is the real last comment I'll make. I know my boy's heart was just torn in half when she doesn't like, isn't excited about it. And like that, whatever, like three, four or five second pause where she doesn't say anything. I knew he was sitting there like, fuck. <laughs> so we're jumping back, right? Yeah. We'll jump back a little bit in time to now to actually King's Landing. So while the King and everyone is in Driftmark doing some kind of crazy shit, we get, Otto and Allison have a moment alone, semi-alone, I guess, uh, outside of the Red Keep. Otto is leaving, and he gives her one last pep talk, essentially, I guess you could say. His best version of a father-daughter pep talk uh, about kind of the whole air situation. I will say the actor, again, the, I got to just pat the back. Reese, who plays Otto Hightower, when he was talking in the scene, I'm like, this guy's an actor. Yeah. <laughs> he is an actor. And I've been reading articles and blah, blah, blah. And I'm more and more, I am I'm on Luke's side of like, he's actually not that terrible of a guy. Things just kept falling in his lap to be like, well, this could work out for me. Let's just do that. You know what I mean? I kind of, I'm going back on my intense hate for him in the past yeah. episodes. <laughs> and I'm going to say that he acts mm -hmm. on um, opportunities given to him, which is only like, what a, what a like smart, guy who's wants some power would do right i don't think he was being insanely malicious like i thought he was yeah i really think that's going to be the beauty of this show is that we're going to have like it'll be an episode like this where it's like pre-episode chris and cole what a guy dude he bagged the princess this guy's a legend and then after this episode it's like dude i hate that punk so i think that's gonna everyone i feel like is going to be on a roller coaster right i think that's why they picked this story to be the first post Game of Thrones show is that this is just a fucking insane ride. And we're going to go, we're going to fucking swing back and forth with everyone. I feel like Damon, Damon has been like that every episode almost. So he's yep. like kind of the perfect example, but everyone's going to have their turn. I've been cooling on Damon a little bit, but maybe because he hasn't been getting as much screen time, but, and also because I liked Rhea Royce. I just have to say, Kathleen, that was like the best thing I heard all day. That was, I'm so <laughs> happy that you fucking said that because I was ready to just redefend my point last week, from yeah. last week's episode. Um, but you're right. Like I, this, aside from the character, my hot take from last episode, I also think Otto is an unbelievable actor and, I'm already kind of missing. I just want his presence in West in King's Landing just to keep things more interesting. But 
now I'm starting to question if he's even going to try and have a serious kill. Cause I know I've been saying that since almost episode one, I don't know if he will, like he could actually be gone for a while. And even if he's not gone, he's not evil. Like he was saying all the things that a rational person would kind of leap to the conclusion of, of what would happen with Agen being a male heir. Like everything he was even, saying was pretty like, yeah, go ahead. Even just to step in literally Rainey's says the same thing he does yes. every episode but she's not the hand of the king and is not really scheming for advantage. I mean, this marriage fell in her lap a little bit. Her husband is the one that kind of will put forth these notions of the marriages to get ahead. But she is has literally the same idea that he does. Like She knows that it's so dangerous for Rhaenyra to end up being on the throne. And Otto is just acting on that idea, that belief. He wholeheartedly believes that there's no happy ending to Rhaenyra being on the throne. Mm -hmm. So he's going to do what it takes to to stop it from happening. Because I mean, as both the hand of the king and a father. So if you already just get over the fact that he basically did push his daughter onto the king, if that's the most evil thing he's done, then sure. Like if you hate that enough to have him like killed, then go ahead. But I, I don't think that's bad enough. But assuming that's happened and it's done, he is looking at it like from a very logical perspective. And what Alicent says to him is, um, if you've not been so relentless in advancing Aegon as the heir, blah, blah, blah. And to me, like there is maybe two conversations that happened on screen in this show that even support that in any way. And the one was like him saying, marry Rhaenyra, which wasn't doing anything to Rhaenyra. And then, you know, either way, I just don't think it's that justified. But I do think that I'm starting to think that Otto's not even less evil than I was assuming he would become that criticism or complaint a little bit is just an unfortunate side effect of them having to skip so much time in between episodes and scenes and things. It's just, it's kind of hard to capture all of it. I really think that line is almost kind of like not retconning, but trying to fill in a lot of the blanks of things that's happening where it's like, we're supposed to get this idea that he is relentless with it. And I also don't know if game of Thrones never existed. And this was season one of this universe. Maybe we would be less, less quick to try and judge somebody's motivations and call them evil. Yeah, and also we have all of this Westerosi lore and we know how fucked up everything is. It's easier yeah. just to be like, Otto's going to be bad. He's going to try and kill the king just to have his heir there because yeah. I fell into that trap. I mean, it could still happen. It totally could still happen, but I, I'm starting to and think it's, it's also easy to fall into the trap of like, he's going to be the little finger character. So then you get disappointed where he's not actually pulling all of these million strings in the background. Like he's just kind of a dad and a grandfather. Just trying to do what he thinks is right versus Littlefinger is consistently doing things he knows are fucked up completely for himself. And that is actually a perfect transition to what I was going to bring up is the fact that I think we might've misjudged him and it could be yeah. our Littlefinger character being Larry strong, strong baby. Larry yeah, strong, the, the club fuck, foot, man. amazing, <laughs> amazing scene. So just, I guess to paint it very quickly, Larry strong is in the Godswood runs into Allison and he just starts dropping some comments and some fucking crazy like Shakespearean sentences like this fucking tricky little guy hanging out in the garden just giving out side quests so he basically just rats Rhaenyra out indirectly but so directly to Allison. So this is one of the lines I wrote down, which was when one is never invited to speak, one learns instead to observe sexy mm-hmm. Shakespeare. Yeah. And that's also <laughs> that feels like such a Varus line. I tried to even look up like his lines from the books and the show because I was felt in my bones that he had said something like that before, but I couldn't find anything. One of my favorite things that happens in like epic fantasies and, sci- and just like 
TV shows in general is when a character uses their obvious weakness or, you know, whatever's holding them back as, as a way to strengthen other parts of them. Very similar to Tyrion, right? Like Tyrion was always, you know, like who he was, like he was kind of always pushed to the side and he used that opportunity to really kind of do the same thing that Lyra Strong does by listening and actually being rational. So I, I do like when the, when characters do that, but I think Larry Strong seems like cartoonishly evil already. Like it's kind of obvious. <laughs> yeah. He's not good. Yeah. I feel like there's, there's almost the only thing that was missing was him like kind of like chuckling to himself after he said things. A little twirl. <laughs> yeah. Or like twirling a mustache or having a monocle or something. Yeah. Mike, one question of the scene was obviously Allison knew that this tea, what the tea was for because she knows the drama. Is there other teas? Like he keeps saying unwell, unwell, unwell. Is is it possible that he thinks it's something other no. than this or no? It's definitely. No, okay. no. it's all very calculated. He is getting to the point without getting to the point. Sure. Yeah, that's the question I want to route. I'm just curious of what you guys think of what is the motivation behind this? Because we've seen his dad seems like a very rational, nice man. He doesn't really move for advantage. He just tells it how it is to Viserys. Now we have his son who now seems to be this like complete opposite of him, crazy schemer. And like what kind of, I feel like is the motivation here. I think he's positioning himself with Allison to become an ally. I don't really know specifically why I think that she's the queen and and that's a good ally to have. And he's telling her this secret. He's, he's giving her Intel that obviously matters to her, but he obviously respected Otto. I don't know if that was another, again, like a little cheeky line to like get to her to be like, dad, man, what a, what a guy. Mm -hmm. I love that fucking guy. I think it really is to get in as a little finger position with Allison, right? Like I, I have knowledge, like I'm giving this to you for, I don't know, good faith. I, I'm not sure. No, I mean, you, that's exactly the, the line of thought I was, I was going with too. It's weird because his dad is now the hand of the King. Like he's already positioned well enough as a family. Like he has power, his family has power. I know he wants to probably make a name for himself or whatever, like everybody does, but like he doesn't want to shake things up politically because that would only be bad for him. Right now he's sitting pretty. When we were seeing the small council scenes, I guess in the early episodes, was there a master of whispers? Is that what Varys was? That's what Varys was, yes. There was not, not that we saw. So we saw Hand of the King, uh, Lord of the Tides, or Master of Ships, rather, uh, Master of Laws, oh, yep. uh, the so Grand Master, that- and then the Master of Coin. Okay. Yeah. So I'm thinking that there's a chance maybe he is paving the way for that to be the first position on the council for like, that's the first time the master is on the council. Yeah. And then that could evolve into eventually what Varys takes over in 170 years, whatever it is. But I I really don't see why he would want to sow any chaos into this situation because like you're chilling, you're at the capital of the modern world. You're good with the King. Like, why would you be doing this unless you're what Kathleen said, trying to make an ally with the queen. I don't know the exact answer. I'm not sure exactly what they're going for here, but I just think that, I mean, he also mentions you might need allies or whatever. And she's like, I have allies. Like I'm the queen. And he goes, oh yeah, like Rhaenyra. (laughs) And she's like, fuck you. Like, what are you talking about? Just say what you mean, you dick. (laughs) So, I mean, clearly he's thinking of that mind. Maybe he was working with Otto too. We know Missaria was working with Otto as one of the little birds and stuff. So maybe he was already aligned with Otto. Okay. Could be a power vacuum too, because like you're saying, Otto's gone. So he could fit right in there, make the little birds sing again. Yeah, yeah. That spy network is just dead, or someone else is there to yeah, to fill that vacuum. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Um, one last little thing I will say here is that 
So Ryan Condal, the guy who writes this, is a huge Game of Thrones nerd. So he's like way bigger of a Game of Thrones fan than D&D ever were, which feels, I guess, a little bit obvious. But just the beginning of the scene when he's touching the flower, he makes a comment that it's from Bravos and it couldn't possibly grow in King's Landing. And there behind him is like a, a scene, like a painting of like a lemon grove. And to me and to the people that I've read online, there, there's a huge theory on the Game of Thrones normal universe where Danny always has these memories of being in Bravos and seeing a lemon tree in Bravos. But the thing is that the books also tell you that there's no way a lemon tree could ever grow in Bravos because it's not it's not the right environment for it. So people think that she actually was sheltered in Dorne, and then there's like a whole connection between the Targaryens and the Dorne and the Dornish in the books. So that just felt like him being like, "Hey, everyone else that reads and stalks the internet for theories, like here's a little, here's a little Easter egg bone for you." Oh, cute. Hmm. Yeah, that. so, that's awesome. I hope it's right. So shout out to Ryan for that. All right, so we move on now with more Allison. Allison's continuing to gather information at this point. Very quickly, we watch Viserys collapse as he returns. I mean, he is just, this is a terrible episode for him. But the real big part is that our boy, Kristen Cole, gets summoned to the Queen's <laughs> Chambers and pulls the old self-snitch, which is just, it was very hard to watch a second time, I will, I will be honest. Dude, I have never heard Alki scream so loud as we were watching alive. He's like, are you fucking kidding me? I mean, come on. We all watch TV enough to know that this was coming yeah. the second the conversation was yeah. all, you know, it wasn't direct. And she yeah, was saying, it's very nebulous. Was saying, I was like, okay, this is happening. And of course, like when it happened, Alki just fucking just jumped up in the air and screamed. And I was <laughs> great. so mad at him because damn. And I just want to give a shout out to, um, what's her name? Uh, Allison's actress, Emma Carey. Emily Carey. Emily Carey. Yeah, she had incredible subtle facial and eye contact acting because like we knew what was going on behind. She was getting the whole realization right there and just how her face was reacting to it was so good, especially the second time I was when I knew it was coming even more. But that was awesome. I will also just shout out Allison in general. Like this is a cool moment for Allison. She what you're saying. So she's getting this realization for the first time. but She doesn't let him know that she's like. Okay. Of course. All right. Yep. That's yeah. exactly what I thought because that's <laughs> yeah. power for her to know that and not have Damon run the Rainier and be like, fuck, she knows, she knows, she knows. Or or about Damon. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he doesn't know about Damon. Allison, you you're she's playing the game. Yeah. She's playing the fucking game. It's so good. Obviously, we're anti Kristen Cole a little bit right now. We definitely have a Kristen Cole hangover. But I do feel kind of bad for him in this scene because I don't think he knows about Rainier and Damon. So in his right. mind, there's no other thing she could possibly be talking about. Like yeah. she's asking him, not because she thinks that he definitely knows, but like he's her sworn shield. Like she has no idea the exact closeness of their relationship while he is sitting on the other side, like, oh my God, she knows. Oh my God, she knows. Oh my God, she knows. So it's just for me being a little bit empathetic to him, which was a little bit easier on the second watch. It's just, I just felt kind of bad for him. It's almost like she was still protecting Rhaenyra by not letting him know. It's like, no, I was fucking talking about Damon. What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. She's yeah. kind of stumbled into that where he was yeah. just like, oh, here's some juicy info. And she was like, hmm, noted. Yeah. Which is, it's even sadder that she was kind of protecting Rhaenyra because from his mind, until we get more conversation, he probably assumes that she's the one who told um, Joffrey because how else would Joffrey figure it out? But that aside, man, Kristen just needs to let the women finish speaking before he acts because this is the same thing as the ship. Yeah. Let them finish, then react. 
Yeah. He's just a guilty, guilty guy. He just, he can't let it go. He's got to just act. He's got to, in a way, reclaim his honor back and that he, like, I feel like admitting it to him feels more honorable instead of it getting pulled out of him. I mean, he even says here, like, in a way, I mean, he asks her, like, you know, instead of gelding me and torturing me, like, can you just kill me? That feels a little bit better than getting your dick and balls cut off. Um, and so to comment on that, because I brought it up the other time of the Kingsguard guy who had all the families and wives. Been thinking about it ever since. Yeah. So he actually didn't die. He was gelded and sent to the wall. So I think oh that's why God. he also says, like, don't geld me <laughs> and torture me with, like, I guess, sending me to the wall and not having a dick. Like, just kill me Did instead. Did that cross over with um, Master Aemon being up there? No, no. So that happened, actually, that was Jaehaerys, so the king before Viserys. That happened during his reign. Oh, so way yeah. In, okay, okay. Yeah, okay. and since we love these little connections, he actually was a strong. So he was, I think, the uncle of Lionel, who's now the Hand of the King. So Lionel has Laris and Harwin. Mm -hmm. God, those brothers are so different. Yeah, they are. <laughs> Imagine being Laris and being like, fucking Harwin, man. That guy's yeah. big hunk. <laughs> Harwin was the one that was dancing with yes. Rhaenyra, right? In the middle of this episode? Rhaenyra yeah. out of the place. Yeah, well, he's the guy who like was... Dame, Damon slides in and says, Master Harwin, or... Right? Yeah, yeah. Isn't that Sir Harwin? Yeah, he says Sir Harwin. And he's also the guy who was, when she returned yes. from the woods with Kristen with all the blood over her, that he was the only one that was like, oh, who's this chick? But you know, isn't right. he also the one that found Rhaenyra and Damon and yes. in the... In the like, yes, yes. Soon yeah, as yeah. they run out. So, so when Damon cuts in, he's probably like, Jesus, fuck. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He is. He's a. He's in the gold cloaks as well. So he's around. The, the strong boys, dude. The strong family is fucking sick. I fuck with the yeah. strong. I fuck with the strong family. Also, strong family. Uh, one of their ancestors was also handed the king to Aegon the Conqueror. So they've been around. Damn. I also want to say before we transition to the wedding, if that's next, that it's not. Don't worry. Oh, it's not next. No, We've got one more scene. Oh, yeah. I was just gonna say something. I'll say it anyway. When, <laughs> when, the, when the dragons, when they're like dragons are flying into the wedding, I audibly said out loud, "That looks so fake." And then, but then I was like, "It's fucking dragons." What am I saying? Like that's so yeah. Stupid. But it did look almost animated. To me. <laughs> that doesn't look beginning. real. Yeah, I was like, that, look, that would never happen in real life. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah honestly i thought that the arrival of them looked great so how about you uh fuck off how about that <laughs> and stop skipping ahead too sorry what so is, what is this scene i didn't we'll just anything. this is viserys getting treated oh. and he just has oh. a conversation with uh with lionel here there's just some great lines here yeah essentially he just is getting leeched that because that's the the pinnacle of medicine at this point. So he's just getting bled out because they think it'll work. Even though one of the other maesters does mention that there could be a poultice or something that could work better. But obviously the Grand Maester knows best. And now we get a delirious Viserys kind of questioning what his legacy is going to be in the future. And this is obviously slightly fourth wall breaking, kind of asking the audience almost, like, what do you think is going to happen and what his legacy is going to be after he leaves the show? So I guess I'm just curious what your guys' thoughts were on this scene. And this combo. I don't have any too many comments. I did like it a lot. A king that reflects on history and like how they're going to be perceived is always an interesting conversation, no matter what the medium is. This is very King Alfred from the Last Kingdom. That's like the first thing I thought wow. of. Um, Great callback. Yeah, I, I really enjoy that. Viserys is he's um what's the word I'm looking for here? He's like he has a he has perspective. Like he's not he's not like in his own world. He understands like 
how other people view him, like how the world's going to view him and all that. So it was an interesting conversation. But yeah, I, I mean, who knows? I feel like he would have gotten his ass handed to him in a war. <laughs> well, um, who knows? I yeah, mean, that's my- kind of what his thing is. He said, there's a part of me that wishes yeah. I'd been tested. I often think that in the crucible, I may have been forged a different man. I think that's almost his yeah. admission that what we've all kind of been saying about him and what other people say about him is true, that he also thinks that he's kind of just like a weak guy who almost lets just things kind of happen around him. Yeah. He's way more of like kind of a reactionary guy instead of someone that actually like consistently takes action. It's funny, Luke, you chose like Viserys in that scene. I loved Lionel in that scene. I liked that. Again, this man is just like, he has his head on his shoulders placed exactly right. You are a king during peace, man. And you were a good king. Like, it's fine. It's fine not to be like a piece of shit. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, like it's like I liked Lionel's side of it being it's it's really okay to be tested is not always the best thing. It is what it is. And and you were a good king. And I, I like that out of Lionel instead of instead of him being like, yeah, fuck yeah, you would have crushed out there. You would have absolutely <laughs> slayed on the Yeah, <laughs> That's why he's great. He doesn't just kiss his ass, but he, yeah. you know, has like a good perspective. That's a good balance of, you know, being nice and empathetic to him, but also kind of giving him a level of perspective and truth that he might not have been thinking about. Yeah. Lionel's just kind of a boss. And uh, another comment, last comment I will make is I will just keep highlighting it that this Maester, man, he just, he's going against what the other guy says. He clearly, he even says like, this is what like always works for him. And like, this man is like on his fucking last string. So clearly whatever has been happening treatment wise has not been working for him fully. And I know I've mentioned, brought it up a couple of times where people think that he's working together with the high towers. So I'm just excited to see where any potential roads they take with that. Kathleen already mentioned we have our fleet of dragons. And the only thing I will say is that this is, I think, the first glimpse we get of Rhaenys riding her dragon, which is uh, Maelys. That's red. kind of all we know. Just a red, big, like yeah, just a big red dragon. He, honestly, she rather looks like Dr- the most like Drogon in like shape and body. I love that you know that off the top of your head. <laughs> just honestly, not like lore wise in the books or anything. I think in the show, this is the most Drogon like dragon we've gotten. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and just fun, Maylee's nickname is the Red Queen. So the queen who never was riding the Red Queen. Love it. And now we get a wedding. So obviously a ton of shit happens. I think we should take it in two parts. I think we should speak about everything that happens up until like Allison kind of arriving and Viserys' speech and just take that first before we get into all of like the dancing and the craziness. We talked about it, episode two of whether Jason Lannister is actually the Lord of Castle Rock and the Warden of the West. Confirmed here, obviously a ton of time has passed, but they just kind of does announce him as he walks in and he is the same old fucking douchebag that he was in episode two. He has not matured at all. And he has a super awkward encounter where he just kind of disparages women and Rhaenyra obviously just kind of flicks him away. <laughs> Wait, did they say Warden of the West? Well, they called him the Lord of Castle Rock. So at, at this point in time in history, when you're the Lord of Catch the Rock, you are the Warden of the West. Right. And I agree. But I just I wrote down that I was a little upset that they didn't specifically say that because I wanted them to just put that out there. You got to take it up with uh, <laughs> Sir Harold I Westerling, mean, I guess, the Lord Commander of the King's Guard. <laughs> you could go file a complaint in the White Tower. Because <laughs> I don't our, know. Uh, boy from the, the Witcher. And um, yes, correct. Yeah, it's Dijkstra. Was the other one? What else was he in? He was in. Um, he wasn't in real time, was he? 
I feel terrible that I don't know, but I just don't know. We we brought it up. He was in three fantasy series. What the fuck was the other one? Oh man, I just Harry don't know. Potter. Watched recently, Harry Potter. I don't fucking know. All right, either way. <laughs> yeah, either I, yeah. Um, so we also get the High Towers introduction. Not less important, less fun. But we do get Sir Gerald Royce coming up to the high table, and he is just immediately interrupted by House Valarian making the entrance of the night. I guess maybe Allison, you have an argument there, but for me, the entrance of the night of just dude, the black and gold and like the white hair, just and they just fucking walk in so confident. It's just so good. I just was almost like goosebumps, like so hype when this scene happened. Agreed. It was sick. Not to go backwards, but I'm going to. <laughs> we haven't really mentioned that that it is Emily and Millie's last episode. The scene with Jason and Millie and Viserys being on the same page of being like, this guy is a fucking <laughs> joke. And the looks they were giving each other, her rolling her eyes. I was like, I'm going to miss her. She is really good in this role. And uh, I just hate Jason. So it was like such a funny scene. But I agree with the uh, Valerian's entrance was just chef's kiss. I mean, Corliss and, and crew are some of my favorite characters. I'm a little concerned now with how Lenore is going to be. He's just going to be a sad boy, but it is a big time jump. Hopefully he has another uh, boy by now, but yeah, I don't have any comments on this. This was yep. just, you know, it was cool. Number two and number two, richest man, most important man in the, in the country walking in there. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing wrong with that. Um, okay. And so then, by the way, it was the Hobbit is what Jickstra and ah, yeah, there you go. Okay. So I, I, that's honestly more forgivable that that's not something we remembered because in general, those movies are fairly forgettable. True. Okay. He was in, he was in all of Lucifer, Kathleen, the show. Who who's he? You don't know his name? Um, hold on, I'm looking right here. He was Father Kinley. Oh yeah, I know Father yeah. Kinley. He was only in one season, but yeah. There you go. He gets around. He gets around, mm-hmm. but he does not get around to calling Jason Lannister the Warden of the West. So, <laughs> fuck him. Um, we get now Viserys, so rudely interrupted by his beautiful wife Allison and. This scene is, I feel like we talked about it a little bit and mentioned that she's playing the game, but this was like the absolute exclamation point on like, she has arrived. Like she is no longer little Alicent, the little bird, if you will, that hangs out in the godswood. She is queen Alicent in this scene. And it's just, it's fucking fantastic. Kyle, talk to me about the war colors, right? I get it. I get like I wish all the high towers weren't also wearing green because I wish I, I wish she was the only one wearing green. Like these are the high tower war colors, and I'm fucking pissed, and I'm here in the war color. So talk to me more about that. Yeah. So Lara Strong does make that comment, and like the high tower family, that's actually the high towers, and they're kind of role is to be the high towers and rule in old town they rep green just in the same way that you know maybe the starks would roll up in gray and the lannisters would roll up in red but for her it's especially significant because she has not really worn anything beyond black and red ever since she got married so she had been wearing because she's a targaryen now technically so she has always been throughout this episode you see two and last episode and maybe even three episodes ago she is just wearing the black and the red all the time wearing the Targaryen colors. And this is like a very public, this is the most public appearance you could possibly make. I mean, it's the Royal Royal wedding is happening and she rolls up in the high tower house colors. Love it. And I think it's hammered home a little bit more too in that. Well, first of all, when she, this is not to do with the colors, but when she rolls up 
and says to Rhaenyra and calls her stepdaughter too. That was the same thing of like here. I mean, like that kind of actually goes against a little bit of where stepdaughter, that's her embracing kind of the Targaryen-ness of her. But the the dress is really just like almost, I mean, like a declaration of war and that she is anti-Rhaenyra at this point, it feels. Yeah. Okay. Two things here. First, I think it's awesome that they had Larry Strong be the one that say that because he's kind of the one that pushed her to go to quote unquote yeah. war here with like um you know information. But Alicent Targaryen sounds crazy. I don't think I've ever said that out loud. I didn't even I forgot that she I mean, obviously she takes the last name of her husband. That just sounds weird. Me and that's too. what she goes down as in the history books, Alicent Targaryen. No, I mean like she gets Hightower. I mean, she is known as Alicent Hightower. But I mean, at the same time, like she is married to the king who is a Targaryen. Yeah. Okay. And like her kids are uh, Targaryens. Right, right. That makes sense. Okay. So back to Rhaenyra versus Alicent. Is, in your guys' opinion, like, is she justified in actively hating Rhaenyra or is she mad at Rhaenyra? Because I feel like there's a big distinction there. I think she's mad. more justified in being just mad at Rhaenyra. Because sure. she has not had a conversation with her really about it. But also, I mean, she did have that conversation and Vernier does swear on her dead mother's grave <laughs> that she was telling the truth. And it's like, technically, she doesn't find out exactly what happened with the Damon stuff because I think she's smart enough to connect the dots between the tea that Laris told her and then learning later that she fucked uh, Kristen. Kristen, yeah. But I, I mean, I think she's definitely justified in being mad, maybe a tad hasty in being completely vitriol hatred towards her stepdaughter and the princess. Yeah, it's also like, that's your girl, like, and he's hot, so be pumped for her, you know? <laughs> it's not like, Dame, it's a little, I mean, I get it, it's scandalous, but like, come on. It's kind of so hot. Alki and Dave were saying, when we were just like free talking as the episode was going on, they were under the impression that it's coming from a place of, jealousy i oh, yeah. it goes back to that parallel scene when damon and rainier were kind of hooking up and then the king was hooking up with allison and you, you kyle you brought up the parallel how like she's basically tied into this lifestyle is she more mad because she's jealous of rainiera like getting to live out all her dreams she's doing whatever she wants or is she just more mad because of the lying and i, I guess i took it as the lying but alki and dave took it a little bit more a mix of both i guess i, I would say that's probably actually correct i think another thing that or a quote rather that lends to that thought process is she does say when she says congratulations stepdaughter she says what a blessing this must be for you when she knows that it's the exact opposite of a blessing Rhaenyra doesn't want to be have an arranged marriage like this you know what I mean so like Allison is kind of probably thinking like haha bitch like now you're stuck with like the same life almost that I'm gonna have like now you have your political marriage you're gonna have to start getting pregnant and all that kind of stuff so I think that uh, that's a good call by them and I guess to jump ahead just very slightly to pick a scene out of part two a little bit, this lends itself to the the color of the dress talk. When she goes up to her uncle and he says to her, like, I thought you might wither in the King's Landing Sun without your father here, but like you've stood tall, like House Hightower is behind you. And he kind of says House Hightower almost in a way that like she's not really part of House Hightower anymore because she's maybe a Targaryen. But at the same time, it's like very purposeful that he says has high towers behind you makes it seems like he also thinks something is, is up and is going on behind the scenes. They put things in there for a reason. I, I think personally that that's the reason behind that one. I, I was just going to ask about Damon's entrance. And first of all, the only time in the whole show I thought his hair looked good is finally here. <laughs> 
the slick back short hair mm-hmm. is like, that's the one that's the one to land on the soft one from when he was kissing Rhaenyra was making me gag. Um, but <laughs> so would Damon have been invited to this or is this another instance of Viserys just like having someone defy him by coming back and then him just being like, bring in the chair. What's the deal here? I'm thinking it's the second one. I think, again, I think his facial expression kind of tells the story, the delay and actually signaling for the chair. I mean, I guess in Viserys's head, he's doing the political calculus and maybe he doesn't really want to ruin the wedding himself. Obviously, I think if he could have had the the foresight or the future sight to know that it would get ruined anyway, he probably would have sent him away. But I just think that that's kind of his thought process of he's always bowing down to what he thinks kind of looks the best and is almost like the easiest. This whole Damon demeanor was just, this is a game. He's smiling. He knows he just killed his wife, like the wife. (laughs) He's going to claim inheritance in this next conversation he has after the other Royce raises his accusation. And this is another great moment where Lord Strong is sitting there. Yeah. He's this and just kind of like, (laughs) it. okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. He's uh, like, please don't do this here. Just if you want to do this, just save it for later. Yeah, that was um, an interesting conversation. I did not see it going that way at all. Like he was almost about to just challenge him to like a trial by combat, basically right on the spot. And then he Damon starts dropping the the idea that he's going to now claim Runestone, which is a fucking awesome name. I love that name for a for a spot. Yeah. And because it was Rhea's inheritance and now it falls to him because they have no kids. And he just he just turned that whole Roy's conversation completely upside down. And now he's like, yeah, I'm going to go um, after this wedding's done. I'm going to go get that land. Like, I hope to see you there. And he's just like, bye. The audacity. Yeah. It's so it's so Damon that he gets accused of this heinous act and then just without really denying the accusation fully kind of flips it on the other person. And now this guy's on the back foot. Now Damon's insulting him to his face and he has no comeback. And then it just it ends and it just ends with Damon smiling. It's exactly like the conversation he has when he's hammered or hung over with the king. And he's like, I can't, I can't deny it until you tell me what I need to spin here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he does it. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, oh yeah. Tragic action. I was devastated. <laughs> he's such a cock. <laughs> All right. So Which I, I wanted her here too. Is she, I just wanted one episode with her before we killed her. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. It's, it's again, it's so crazy. Like in the book, she's gets a sentence. And then in the show now, we get to see her actually come to life. And it's like, damn it. Now I wish that was not her ending. She's such a good character in that two minutes of of dialogue that it's like they could have made that an extra special stab in the heart if they gave her more. Because we haven't had any gigantic, gigantic deaths um, yet. The ones that make you go, holy fuck. I mean, the, the one at the end of this episode is pretty good. But I think if they like built Ray up a little bit more and then killed her, you'd have been like, Shit. yeah. And maybe a, a counterpoint against it is that she, having her be in the show more, I feel like almost maybe takes away from Rhaenyra's light because I've heard they're kind of in similar, not character styles, but they are. Kind of, Rhaenyra stands out so much as being this woman who defies all kind of like, yeah. I don't even know what you want to say, but just acting in almost, and again, in that Arya role, almost you could say. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> Not saying I agree with it, but maybe that's kind of the thought process a little bit. So now we just have a full-blown wedding. 
everyone's dancing, doing this. I guess they all know the dance. It's kind of like the Cupid Shuffle, I guess. So, like you hear the beat drops, and you're like, "Ah, oh, we're doing this one, okay." And everyone just kind of hops onto the dance floor. So, I just really quickly want to make a comment about the initial dance between the betrothed, the uh, you know, the upcoming newlyweds, in that there are so many looks being tossed around the room at this point like damon looks at rhaenyra rhaenyra looks at Kristen. allison glares at rhaenyra joffrey looks at Kristen and is like that's the guy lanor looks at joffrey and is like i love this guy and it's just like <laughs> there's so much going on throughout this dance and it's like we as the audience are like oh my god look at this is crazy and i'm just laughing thinking about someone just sitting there in the crowd like not knowing what like what just insanity is brewing underneath the surface of this wedding yeah the directing of this episode (laughs) is so good the direction Mm -hmm. is fantastic is this the same is this the woman from last episode Mm -hmm. again chef's kiss and i would just kill to be an extra in this scene kill to be on that dance floor doing that dance i when they were doing it Lenor and Rhaenyra, I know that this is an arranged marriage, but these two are buds. They'll get along. They're cool with each other. And it's one thing to be in an arranged marriage where you fucking hate each other. You piss each other off, Damon and Rhea. But this is like not that. And even Allison and Viserys, he's so old. What do you actually have in common besides grieving and like whatever? These two are actually going to like fuck around and have fun. Like they're two like good looking mm-hmm. kids. They're they're going to have fun and, and be there for each other. I don't know. I liked it and I wish I was an extra in it. The thing I was most confused about, which I didn't really understand, and I, know, I think we're going to get a lot more next episode is Lenora. Is that her name? Lena. 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 Oh, Jesus. I'm, I don't yeah, know where I got that from. Lena. <laughs> Just adding auras. You added an A. You know, they're all the Lenor. same. They're all the same. Like, <laughs> they're so tight. Yeah. They're all the fucking same. Whatever. <laughs> Lena. So was she as surface level as her conversation with Damon turns into, or is she like, you're a dragon rider, you're a Targaryen, you're, you're the prince? Like, I'm just, I'm just, yeah, I think so. I, I, I think that that's kind of just her nature. She feels okay. she's a grown woman now. It seems like maybe that. Either A, maybe the that marriage pack with the Sea Lord of Bravos has fallen through, or she's in that Rhaenyra mindset of like, I don't want to have a fucking arranged marriage with some random person that I don't know. So maybe let me just try to slide in with use Damon almost in the same way that Rhaenyra allegedly used Damon. Mm-hmm. I think it's really that she just immediately on the surface blunt just comes on to him. She's not one to play games. She's like, listen, yeah. you're hot. You're a prince. You ride dragons. Let's get after it. <laughs> and he's like, well, you don't really know me. And she's like, we can fix that. She aged 25 years. I don't care what you say. Oh, yeah. I looked it up. Her actress is in her 20s. It's fine. Yeah, I'm not really complaining, though, because she's really hot now. I wanted to to Google it to make sure I could say that she's just fucking beautiful. Oh, I did. I did. (laughs) Me too. Me too. She was born in 96, so so was I. So it's free game. (laughs) And she's playing, I think, at this point. She's got to be like 19. (laughs) No, I think she's like 19. Moving maybe? on. Maybe? Yeah, I don't know. That's actually, ooh, maybe yeah, I'm doing that math. Maybe you're wrong. I think I'm assuming she's older than she was earlier on. Yeah, Which whatever. That's how age works. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you say the actress is really beautiful. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Um, okay. Now I'm feeling like Kristen Cole. Uh, my, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> thinking. I'm just thinking about ladies, and I don't remember where I'm at and what I should say. <laughs> So, yes, it is time, I believe. Um, So (laughs) Joffrey, in his infinite wisdom, decides to go up to Kristen and which A is 
probably a good idea. Maybe not the correct venue, but not a terrible idea. But again, is just not being as blunt as he probably should be about it. It's another one of these conversations that maybe would have been better of just like coming out and saying what he actually means and not kind of avoiding a little bit of this overcomplication where it's kind of just like, he's saying like, we got secrets and you mean a lot to her and I mean a lot to him. And it's like, I feel like it might've went better if he just said like, Hey bro, Laner's gay. I'm his guy. Rainier and him talked about it. She knows it. So you can totally be with her. I'll just kind of be with him and we'll protect him. We'll protect each other and it'll work out yeah, fine. You said it perfectly. I think this was a great idea. I don't understand. Like, and I almost, even after he walked away and then Kristen acts on this information, I still felt like it was a good idea. Like I didn't get the bad vibes yet. And yeah, it's just such a fuck up on Kristen Cole's part. It's tough too, because Joffrey doesn't know. He has no idea that the boat scene happened. And also the scene with Allison and Kristen. So he thinks that Kristen is in the same mindset as him of like, yeah, I'm fucking the princess's whore. Let's get it. I'm going to be banging the princess and she's going to love me and it's going to be good. But he is the exact opposite of just absolutely stewing inside. And he is he is a dynamite just waiting to get the fuse lit. And this was the fuse lighting. Perfect. I'm so Perfectly mad, said. Man. I'm so yeah. fucking mad. This was such yeah. a fuck up. Like, what the hell, man? Can we get anything nice? Like Let me ask. Bro, it's Game of Thrones. Of course not. Let me ask you a question. Um, maybe Kyle knew this, but Luke, when the fight broke out, and I don't know if this is in the book, so you can answer too, Kyle. Did you think it was those two? Because at this point, the dances are happening. Damon cuts in. Damon and Rhaenyra look like they're about to hook up. Allison and Viserys are like across the room, being like, "What the f- is happening?" Like mm-hmm. it's there's a lot happening, and then all of a sudden, it screams obviously someone's getting murdered right now. Did you think it was, it was Sir Joffrey? Like, did you think it was Kristen and Joffrey? What were you thinking? Even though I thought it was a good idea for Joffrey to say that to Kristen, the the cinematography was saying it was a horrible idea. So like the kind of made you feel like bad things were going on in his head, even though they shouldn't have been. I didn't think he was going to murder him like that. Maybe do the whole like, yeah, like you just lash out and then everybody finds out and it becomes like a scandal. I didn't think he was going to just murder him right there. That fucking took me by surprise, especially because he ends up hitting Lenor, which yeah. is, to me, de- that if I'm Corliss and I saw that, you're dead right there on the spot. There's no, there's nothing else that needs to be said. You touched yeah. the king consort. I think that's a conversation too we can have at the end. There's a couple things that are a little weird, I think, about the direction they took with it, but- yeah. My answer is going to be I. So I, I would say when I'm watching the the show for the most part, I'm terrible at like picking up on a lot of the book comparisons, unless they're like stupid, dumb, obvious. And with this, it's just so different because it happens at a tournament. So kind of the Damon Kristen Cole fight is a little bit like what this happens. It's the tournament, and Kristen has already been spurned by Rhaenyra allegedly, or you know she has. Yeah, she has allegedly spurned him, or maybe he spurned her, but like whatever in the books, it's like something happened at night and they hate each other essentially. So he goes into the tournament and just absolutely beats the shit out of Joffrey and like caves his helm in and he's like bedridden for days and never ends up waking up. Like he morning stars him to death. This is obviously a lot more of a <laughs> a, a terrible venue for that to happen. I mean, they're clearly making a point or they you know, it was a purposeful point to make it happen at a wedding in front of a lot of people. I'm just curious of what the consequences of that will end up being. 
feel like how did they not pull Kristen off before he absolutely punched a hole in his face? The biggest hole. Yeah. That was when when his head gets like flopped over. What? Oh, my God. You're like, yeah, Oberyn Martell special. Yeah, that was my only thought is that it could just be as a Kingsguard, like you do have a little leeway. Like if you were truly taking out a threat, like you should be able to have the unlimited authority. So like, that's it. It's just weird that he gets to just stand up and walk out. No questions asked. But I guess, again, it goes back to how much respect everybody around has for the king's guard and if you're not another king's guard what are you going to say to a king's guard like you can't yeah he can just do whatever you want so i guess it kind of comes down to that so i'm not like gonna sit here and say it was a plot hole or like a writing mistake but it did feel weird and we're talking about it so yeah it's it's weird enough for you to kind of question it a little bit and have to think through it and i feel like the conclusion of if it's even if it's not weird it just is a little not unsettling or uncomfortable it just doesn't feel like the best answer almost i guess you could say Mm -hmm. so my initial thought was obviously at the end allison saves him from killing himself in some sort of weird like allyship thing not not i don't really know what kristen can do for allison i mean besides just like having him in her back pocket and then i was thinking what could allison tell kristen to say to people like this is why you did this like there's obviously got to be a reason no one's just going to be like remember when you did that at that wedding yeah (laughs) like you got a little crazy that night man like you have to have a reason like i think he's gonna lie and say joffrey did something but what could joffrey possibly have said to elicit just hole in the face that makes sense to everyone and be like oh okay yeah yeah so i think yeah i mean in terms of explaining it out i'll be honest that seems like the easiest thing possible because Lenor and Joffrey's like relationship is not a public thing. Like Corlys isn't going to come out and be like, he murdered my son's boy toy. You know what I mean? Like if it's his son's friend, well, then it's kind of like, okay, I don't think it would take down that level. I think I would agree with Luke where it, the big thing would end up being that he punched Lenor in the face. Seems like the most in trouble he could probably get. But the queen is obviously powerful enough to kind of toss that away. I, I mean, I think it's, Obviously, a very rough episode for Kristen Cole. They can cover all their tracks easily by making Joffrey the the take be the scapegoat because, like you're saying, Lenore can't say anything. Allison knows about the Kristen Cole banging, mm-hmm. so they can keep Rhaenyra's mouth shut. So, like that gets them on board, and then obviously Allison's going to keep Kristen Cole in line. I feel like it can all work out where yeah they can just throw Joffrey under the bus, and it plays. Viserys mentions it in again terrible at recalling episodes, but. It's not about truth. It's about perception. So mm-hmm. they could easily swing it in a way when it's the king. And I mean, obviously, Viserys, we know, is going to take the easy road out and he's not going to make all of the info come to light. So he will just agree, I feel like, to be like, OK, just don't ever fucking do that again. <laughs> you know, or he'll take probably the Damon, the Damon route of just <laughs> don't do it again. <laughs> I mean, I'd be pissed if I was Rhaenyra, right? Rhaenyra should be fucking furious. It's devastating at the wedding. This obviously shabby wedding they're having after yeah. this. It's supposed to be seven days of celebration. And just and, and like Jason, Jason kind of foreshadows. He's like, if this is just the pre-party, can't even imagine what the wedding's going to be like. And then fucking his blood's just still everywhere. Like mice <laughs> yeah. eating his flesh and shit. It's the rats again. This, those high towers mm-hmm. um but yeah it's so sad i mean lanor's literally like s- crying during the ceremony just so deathly upset 
And yeah. Rhaenyra looks upset. Rhaenyra looks like she's crying too during it. Like she is feeling the grief for for him as well. I was just chanting, just like kill yourself to Chris. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Holy shit! Because it was going on in parallel, and I was like, yeah. "This is fucking. This is awesome." And he was gonna, you know, just do the whole hard car. Yeah, yeah, hard car. He was gonna kill himself, and then Allison stops him. That was like the last thing that happens, right? If he had just maybe asked for Rhaenyra's hand in marriage and then killed himself, that could have been. Not the honor and whatever he was willing, like really fight, he's fighting to get back. But I could easily see that being a story that like Sansa Stark falls in love with 170 years later of these star-crossed yeah. lovers and this love story. And we find out too with the gold cloak stuff, I mean with his cloak stuff, when he gives that reason to Rhaenyra and that it's not completely about love to him. Not completely. There's some, but it's not completely. There's also mm-hmm. a lot of selfishness going on. And I think that plays out perfectly here. And my second watch, I will say, and I'm, I don't really mean to be a consistent Kristen Cole defender, but Joffrey, because he's not very blunt about it, and the way that he says about secrets and keeping each other safe and the, the pat on the back, it almost feels like an underhanded threat. Like you could, if you were Kristen Cole, completely on edge, you know, your world's kind of tumbling down and you don't really know who you are anymore and all this kind of stuff. And this guy comes up and is basically kind of flaunting to you your biggest mistake you ever made in your life in your face. If you keep our secret, like we'll keep your secret and we'll all be safe. Like, I feel like there's a way that you could take that as a thinly veiled threat instead of the actual way he meant it of like an open hand. Let's be partners in this. And I agree with that, but he should have still under, even if it wasn't more direct threat he still shouldn't have oh yeah no. him in front of the crowd no. he should have said something to Rhaenyra Rhaenyra understands what's going on here and then yeah. talks him down and then everybody's good yeah that could have been if they didn't have the time constraints where like next episode if like the wedding if the pre-feast goes off without a hitch and then we get all of the tournaments that they talked about and then we get like a Kristen versus Joffrey matchup where he just kind of absolutely pounds him into the dirt yeah feels like a more i guess diplomatic way of getting rid of the guy and dealing with it but i don't know kind of is what it is so what do we call this wedding because the the two famous weddings from game of thrones are the red wedding and the purple wedding like is this like the the targaryen the green wedding over hair the, the green i guess i well, believe people are calling it the green wedding now actually i do believe so yes okay. but why is allison the centerpiece of any of this um not sure white wedding too because of the hair between the two houses that oh. were supposed to get married or the silver or whatever the silver wedding but green wedding sounds weird to me it's oh the white night the white rather the white wedding could also work because Kristen cole's white cloak that's what i said oh really oh i couldn't hear you because your mic <laughs> was on the, the fucking floor <laughs> <laughs> I, it was like down here i can't believe you couldn't hear that um <laughs> but two i guess kind of highlights versus lowlights of the white wedding or the green wedding, whatever we'll end up settling on, uh, is gotta be, uh, Harwin strong getting just the nod again, Lionel strong, not even having to say a word, just the way he reacts to things, just nodding to Harwin and Harwin just mm-hmm. carving out a path and getting Rainier out of there. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Strong's are turning out to be MVPs. Yeah, dude, they're great. They're totally great. Uh, and I guess this was the second one I was going to say a book nod. And I could be so completely off base on this. But there was a little person, a dwarf, as they tend to call them, in Westeros playing Mushroom. playing in the band. And I'm thinking maybe that ends up being our first look at Mushroom. 
I thought no of you. No way. I didn't even think about that. I'm dumb. That's that's awesome. Maybe. I'm not sure. Because I will there is we've met someone else that I don't want to ruin who they are yet until it maybe comes out and play actually plays out in this story in the show. But we've met someone else who is one of the sources from the books. Okay. Like their their first hand account of events is what kind of is part of the material that let the book be written in universe, quote unquote. So I'm thinking they're going to try to get all of them in there. And I'm thinking that might've been mushroom. Nice. Mid episode. So do... When that happened, I thought yeah. of you, Kai. Oh, I nice. was like, I hope that's so all of the, uh, all of the persistent lore tidbits are kind of Love it. working. Cool. Love it. MVP, yeah. LVP, and then episode rank. Sure. Yeah. Let me, let me go first here. Um, because before we had our conversation on this podcast, I thought both of these were going to be interesting. Um, one of them definitely still is, but my MVP is Corliss slash Rainice, like the marriage couple right there. I didn't yeah. know if you guys were going to agree with my opinion on them because of Corliss doing the whole Damon storyline. But yeah, I think they were awesome. Even like they didn't do anything wrong this episode and they're just great. There wasn't really someone that stood out in a positive way. Like it wasn't really Rainier. So I just kind of settled on them too as a couple. As far as LVP, I'm totally picking Allison because she didn't let Kristen Cole kill himself. She stopped. Okay, you're gonna take that motherfucker from killing himself. Yes, Kristen Cole. He's the LVP. He's the. It's intense. That's crazy because Allison is my MVP for the second week running. Uh, Love that girl. She is just crushing for me. She's been on this solo journey for episodes. She doesn't really have people behind her. She's she's doing all of this by herself. Just making her way downtown. She's trying to figure (laughs) figure it out. She. She's doing it. I'm going to miss um, Emily Carey big time. I thought she was really good as Allison. I'll miss Millie too. Mm-hmm. But my LVP is uh, Sir Kristen Cole. It's got to be. Mm-hmm. I can't even think of another one. Yeah. Uh, my MVP is going to be, and I'm glad, Luke, you did two characters so that I feel less bad taking a step up and doing three characters. I'm just going to say how strong in general okay. is the MVP of this episode. And yeah, nice. And then the LVP, I just, yeah, I mean, Kristen Cole, it's hard not to pick him as the LVP. Just an absolutely, just a disaster class from our boy. Yeah, for real. Just could not have been worse for our guy. Oh my <laughs> God. <would> thought? <laughs> yeah, just, just doesn't get any rougher than that. So my hot take has something to do with the next time on. So if, if if no one wants to know what's on the next time on skip a minute next episode they show viserys again and my man's passed the fuck out at the wedding if the time jump is big enough that they have to recast emily and millie as allison and rhaenyra then how is this man still alive like i said he's one big infection he can't even move he stinks i know he just yeah. Oh yeah. He smells this man, <laughs> and he and he's still alive. That's my hot take. That is crazy town. That he's mm-hmm. still alive. And I texted the group that, and I said it was the biggest plot hole in history. And Luke was like, "No." <laughs> yeah. Very quick comment on that is just going to be the worst thing ever would be him dying off screen. Totally. Yeah. But again, they should have killed him last episode. Then. Fair. That's yeah. what I think. My hot takes also related to the to the forward here. I'm starting to get a little nervous about me not liking Rhaenyra's next actress. And I only saw like 30 seconds of it. And I'm sure it was like the context is going to make everything better. But maybe it's because of how attached I am to Millie now. But 
I'm a little nervous that Rhaenyra is not going to be the best main character, but you know, the ceiling is there. Like anything can happen. It was just my initial gut reaction. And it's probably a little bit of um, attachment and bias in these first five episodes. Cause I liked them so much and I liked our characters. And I don't really want the actors to switch in general, but yeah, I will I say that I'm definitely just nervous in general of the size of the time skip. I just hope because so much is going to change in these, in this time skip versus all the other ones we've had. I just hope it's not like crazy jarring or if it is, it's done well, but my hot take is going to be, I didn't think it was going to be this, but now as we've talked through everything of that, <laughs> Kristen Cole maybe doesn't deserve a 100% zero to 60 hatred. I feel like there is a mindset where you can get behind that his actions, while not advisable, aren't totally like absolutely completely fuck this guy. He's the worst character ever. Character-wise, I think you can definitely say morally he's done very terrible things, but from the show. I think if he doesn't smash that man to bits, then yeah. But this man needs deep, deep help. He is obviously just like hanging on by a thread, and that was snipped so easily enough Mm -hmm. that he knows. I mean, he's he's a white knight. Like, he he knows honor. He knows all this. He knows the rules. Don't kill somebody in the middle of this wedding. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. It's unforgivable. I don't know how they're going to redeem him moving forward. Like really redeem in a way that makes it believable to me that I'm like, oh yeah, he's fine. Westeros is a crazy place. man. I mean, does he need to be fine? Does he need to be fine? He can be a villain. Cold take. I got a cold take here. That is the hottest take that we've said so far on this entire podcast because that's just wrong. (laughs) I love it, Kyle. Yeah, there we go. There we go. (laughs) There Um, you go. (laughs) Yeah. Good. That's Episode what I'm trying. I'm, tra- I'm, tra- I'm trying to get hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter. <laughs> and it's all going to be Kristen Cole until the end of the Granted, series. Your hot take from last episode became not hot. So I guess Thanks. this also has room to cool down. Just this is how I feel. All right. Do we want to do episode ranks? We don't have to do them all, but I would just say like what yeah. this is fall. It your top. Your uh, yeah. I mean, middle? mine are the same that they were last episode. It's just fives on top. I mean, this was definitely the best episode. This was like, an, uh, to me, feels like at the moment, like an all time Game of Thrones episode. Same. Okay. I'm in the opinion now that now that we're through five, that um, I pretty much kind of almost view all of them so close to each other in ranking that I'm starting to not care about what my favorite was. I still would probably say two. I don't even know. Like they're like it's <laughs> now that we're getting so much more information, it's changing things that we thought in hindsight, and like I, yeah. I would need a rewatch of it. But I think that there hasn't been a bad episode, and every single one of them has been above average, just really good television, and that's just a good spot to be. Five episodes into season one, really fun to talk about too. Oh yeah, I could keep going, but time. we should uh, definitely wrap up there because <laughs> there's no more scenes to cover, and I think we've gotten through. All of our takes, even our hottest takes. Shout out Kristen Cole. Um, <laughs> if you like what you heard and you also like Kristen Cole, please subscribe if you have not already on whatever you're listening on or watching on. Um, we have, I mean, all of our socials are at Bingetown TV. If you'd like to follow us, we try to give updates. We try to react to news. We try to retweet news. And Patreon, patreon.com slash TV. if you want to throw us some uh, some extra dragons, not the animals, Kathleen, the coinage. Just want to add, at, at this time, we're recording Vampire Academy, which is new on Peacock. Uh, four episodes just dropped last week. And Rick and Morty, there are three episodes out. 
right now. Uh, We have our coverage on that. And coming up, we also have uh, Mike Flanagan's new show, Midnight Club, which drops October 7th, which we are absolutely pumped about. So if you're in the spooky mood and you want to go back and listen to our Bly Manor, Midnight Mass or Haunting of Hill House coverage, it's some fun stuff. Some of some of our favorites to cover. So go check it out. Yeah. Spooky season's big for us. So this is actually this is a very exciting time for Town TV. Yeah. All right. Love you. Love you, too. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.